0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is December 6, 2016.
2: Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network Radio. My co-host today is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired, former Deputy Secretary for the Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs, also past Department Commander for the DAV State of Maryland. Good morning, sir.
3: Gary, as always, it's great to be with you.
2: Well, I appreciate that. Now, Bill, we know we got an important date tomorrow. Uh, it's uh, 75 years after Pearl Harbor. And uh, Pearl Harbor was, was something that we only have, what, a handful of uh, survivors left, don't we, Bill?
3: Well, Gary, if you recall, during that time in World War II, our country amassed a fighting force of 16 million men and women. And today we have... Probably less than 800,000 of those uh, members of the greatest generation still with us today, all who are in their 90s and uh, past the century mark of 100.
2: Wow, well, that's something else. Again, uh, you know, celebrating the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. You know, right now there's a lot of guys that are headed and already there in Pearl Harbor. Uh, we have one here, it's the USS Arizona survivor heads to Pearl Harbor 75 years later. His name is Loren uh, Bruner. Uh, he was getting ready for church in 1941, uh, you know, on his battleship when the US Arizona, when the alarm sounded, the Japanese attacked on Pearl Harbor and began to, uh, the aircraft guns and uh, he was responsible for manning. But bullets hit his left leg and an explosion set off a Sunday morning bombardment of rockets and ships before they could actually get to the weapon. The ship sunk in nine minutes. You believe that? Just nine minutes that ship sunk. And, and he escaped, uh, but he suffered severe burns. This week he's now 96 and plans to visit a memorial over the Arizona sunken wreckage and attend a remarkable ceremony at Pearl Harbor for the 75th anniversary all right bill we had a great show last week didn't we
3: it was outstanding gary
2: you know we did our guest was joel griffin he was the co-founder and president for the Hope Collection had a lot of information They swamped us with information so much that we have to have them back (laughs) to to tell us more about it. Their mission is to identify and supply resources that will support their projects in the fields of health and wellness, performing and fine arts, uh, family issues, development and housing technology, energy communications, faith based uh, leadership, education, food, and nutrition. So you can understand there was a lot of information going on. If you missed the live show, be sure to listen to the archive was a lot of information, wasn't it, Bill?
3: Yes, yes.
2: Yeah. Now, you have a little news article for us.
3: Well, yes I do, Gary. As you know, since uh, September, we've been paying close attention to uh, suicides and suicide prevention awareness. Uh, Back in September, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs declared September as Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And, uh, you know, we're we're constantly looking at ways as to how we can assist our men and women who have served and uh, and, and are suffering from the trauma of war. And, uh, you know, with our our partners, uh, with the... uh, Veteran Suicide Prevention Channel, our TV channel, uh, we're engaged in uh, developing a lot of ideas. Their are primary. Uh, the cooking shows for uh, uh, nutrition to help with the wellness of, uh, of uh, mental health uh, concerns. But uh, I found an article here that I, I thought was uh, uh, quite interesting, and it, and it has to do with relaxation. And this is uh, swimming, uh, and uh, I'm making reference here to a uh, Mike Hilliard, who was a sergeant that served in uh, Iraq uh, back in 2006, and he was out clearing his area with IEDs and was shot in the head, and uh, his uh, the, uh, chin strap on his uh, helmet, as uh, he says, saved his life, and he ended up with a brain injury. The stress of that experience, he stated, stayed with him when he left the military, and he slipped into a black hole, as he described it. But he had a rather uh, interesting experience. Uh, Shortly uh, after coming back, he went down to the uh, Dominican Republic and was doing some scuba diving, and in Mike Hilliard's words, and I quote, he says, as soon as my head went underwater, it changed my life. It took away everything that was on my shoulders. And now Mike Hilliard helps other veterans in an aquarium in uh, in Atlanta where they've got live fish there, and they go in and they participate in a unique exercise program. The exercise is one of many innovative therapies that are helping servicemen and women overcome trauma and deal with death difficult memories. According to the National Center for Post-Traumatic Stress, between 11 and 20% of veterans who served in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. So this, pa- this uh, aquarium is hosting patients with post-traumatic stress, uh, uh, traumatic brain injury, and even with spinal cord injuries, injuries to help them overcome uh, the suffering that they've come about after their service and being exposed to the conditions that they have now, uh, it, it seems great,
2: Gary. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, we're hearing about a lot of water activities that are are helping out there. You know, absolutely, fishing, fishing right. in well, your own kayak and,
3: and yeah, hero, heroes on the water.
2: That's right. That's right. That's right. And Real American Heroes. I spells R E E L. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's all right. Well, that was pretty exciting and uh, knowledgeable. Now we're all filled with information. But, Bill, you have the pleasure of introducing our guest. Uh, we're going to introduce our guest, and then it is getting close to a break time. So go ahead.
3: That's and right. it is a pleasure indeed to introduce. James J. Flagg, president and co-founder of the Warrior Summit Coalition. James proudly served this country from August 2001 through September of 2009, when he was honorably discharged from the Illinois Army National Guard. In April 2010, James co-chaired the inaugural Illinois Warrior Summit as a student veteran at the University of Illinois, Chicago. James was recognized by President Obama and was awarded the Presidential Volunteer Award Medal in October 2010. James currently serves as an advisor to Mayor Rahm Emanuel on the Chicago Commission on Human Relations Advisory Council. On Veterans Affairs, James is a member of the Illinois Secretary of State, James White's Veterans Advisory Council, and serves as an advisor to the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs Director. James, welcome to the American Heroes Network.
4: Hey, good morning, Colonel Bill, and uh, thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. Good morning, Gary. Uh, Good morning. How are (laughs) you? Pretty good. Oh, I'm doing Doing well, doing well. It's a pleasure to be speaking to you guys this morning.
2: All right. Well, we'll tell you, we're, well, we're going to go on break right now, and when we come back, we'll, we'll be able to fit a little bit more uh, info in here. So I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back.
1: If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We are the guest, James
2: Flagg, co founder and president for the Warriors Summit Coalition. And, coalition. and also, uh, how did this all get started, uh, James, as far as. Um, uh, we know we under, uh, at your. Well, we t- I talked about your uh, a little bit about your bio. Uh, you were uh, into a lot of uh, volunteering, correct?
4: Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. with, with the short and sweet of it, is uh, the initiative got started uh right around two thousand seven, two thousand eight as a adverse reaction to uh to the VA paying out student veterans benefits a little bit behind schedule and uh-huh. that was affecting many students on my uh, my university campus to include myself and uh and many other student veterans and we approached the uh the school administrators about maybe centralizing services on campus That way it would minimize the time that it would take for our certified reps to to put our benefits in and and also speed up the process of veterans getting paid. And uh, and with that, we we created a uh, a task force which formed an executive summary uh, on our university campus. And once that uh, provision was put in place, our college dedicated a central location, almost a one-stop shop format, where a veteran can come in and sign up for VA benefits, as well as sign up for classes and financial aid, uh, talk to his academic counselor, and uh, and it was great because it sped up the process to uh, essentially allow vets to get paid. Um, and we, we didn't think anything uh, too much of it. It was a great, great win for us as a student veterans group, uh, but we really started gaining a little bit of traction when the governor at the time heard about our executive summary and took that piece of uh, information and turned it into a state law, the Veterans Higher Education Bill of 2009, which centralized all services, not only on our individual college campus, but throughout the state of Illinois, uh, mandating that all community colleges and universities have a central access point for veterans to receive information. Uh, So that's kind of the the start on the whole one-stop-shop concept of the Warrior Summit Coalition. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, uh, are you national? Uh, Yes, sir, we are. As of uh, 2013, uh, we transitioned from just doing local events here in Chicago. I had a great opportunity to work with the public affairs director from the the VA, Department of Veterans Affairs in St. Louis. And because of that relationship, we have now hosted events in nine major cities across the United States um, as of last year. All right, all right.
2: Do you work with other uh, resources out there? I mean, how's it? Well, let's do it this way. How, how, are, the, how are the communities grasping this?
4: Uh, well, in, in Chicago, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit different now because the, the space is very, uh, very crowded and, and, mm-hmm. and, and very, uh, has a lot of high volume as far as veteran support. Uh, but the beauty of that is all of the resources and, and resource providers are in communication with each other, whether through individual projects or uh, essentially one-stop shop initiatives where we all come together, uh, we learn about each other's services, and then find the best way to connect the vets with the resources. So, so at first, as, as a college student uh, with not a lot of credibility, you know, a few years out of the military, the, the idea wasn't well received just because I, I think we were still a little too young and, and maybe too wet behind the ears for, uh, for some folks. Uh, but after we hosted our first event in April of uh, 2010, and we received commendations not only from our university, uh, but the mayor of Chicago at the time, the governor, and even the president of the United States, uh, that opened everybody's eyes. Well, not everybody, but it opened a lot of people's eyes and said, hey, maybe this is a good initiative, and we're as most resource uh, providers would have been hesitant to, to, to collaborate or work with other service providers. Uh, it, it speaks to the community of Chicago and and coming together to centralize services. And, and now as we go across the country, uh, it's almost uh, weird hearing conversations where where veterans groups are not necessarily interacting with each other to a point to provide optimal service. So it's uh, it's, it's very well received on the, the military side. A lot of uh, current or former military officials, they, they understand the idea and the concept of centralized services to help transition. Uh, a lot of civilians, it, it, take, it may take a little while to get them to understand, but, but at the end of the day, we're, we're helping vets, and, and it's kind of hard for, for individuals to turn that down. Oh, definitely. Bill,
2: I know you have a question.
3: Well, a, a comment, James, uh, is rather really interesting because at the time that you were in school uh, and uh, ending, uh, I, I think we were seeing the beginning of the post-9-11 Chapter 33 GI Bill. And uh, m- many of our, our serving veterans from that, that era were beginning to come into colleges and universities. Tell our listening audience a little bit about those veterans coming at that time who are now making the transition in a lot of cases uh, from uh, combat in the battlefield to home and community, coming back with a, uh, a, a myriad of readjustment concerns. What kind of accommodations that it, where you were at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and maybe throughout the Illinois? Uh, university system, what kinds of co- accommodations were made then and probably what are still there now to uh, attract these young men and women to continue to come back in and uh, 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 start an education?
4: Well, that's, that's, that's interesting. And, and as you ask the question, I'm thinking about it from, from two different perspectives. Uh, one, uh, now, 2016, I'm, I'm, I'm well into my 30s. I'm married. I have a child now. Uh, and, and, and being appreciative of the resources available, uh, and seeing the progress from, you know, six or seven years ago when I was transitioning out of active duty into college. And, and unfortunately, uh, the reason why, you know, our idea, or our concept started is because there was no central access point or there was no central, uh, touch point or handoff outside of the Department of Veterans Affairs. And and Bill, you, you you may relate to this. Uh, you know, when you when you serve a number of years in the military, um, and, and you're ready to ETS or you're ready to uh, transition out of service, the the only thing you want to do is get home to your family and friends and catch up on lost time. So when we're transitioning out, or or personally for me, when I was transitioning out, and we were uh, we were assigned tap classes, the transition assistance uh, classes by the uh, by the Department of Defense. I wasn't really paying too much attention to the the requirements or the information or or even the services presented because that tap class was just a uh, you know a, a a barrier, not a barrier but but the next step to getting home to my family so So I, like many service members, breeze through those uh, through those tap classes and those resource fairs, essentially bypassing all of the knowledge and information. And then we come back home, and the only thing we know is go to the Department of Veterans Affairs. Well, well in my case and many other cases, uh, that, that wasn't an option for me. I, I think at, after serving eight years, uh, I knew I wanted to transition back into the civilian world, and I looked at going to the VA like uh, almost a step back into the military. So I shied away from the VA for, for a good four or five years until I got involved with my student veterans group. And, um, and, and again, just going off of personal experience, that was the, uh, the the experience that a lot of transition and service members were facing. Uh, you either go to the VA for resources, you go to unemployment to, to collect unemployment benefits, or if you don't have work, you go to uh, go to college or the university to take advantage of your, your GI Bill benefits. So, so in my opinion, it, it started off very uh, a, a small scope as far as resources. Just VA benefits, uh, education through the college system, and there may be employment resources through the local unemployment office. Uh, Fast forward to 2016, after hosting a number of uh, community-based initiatives here locally in Chicago and around the country, uh, as you can see on our website, we have expanded beyond just benefits, education, and employment to provide uh, legal help and legal counseling, uh, mental health and suicide prevention services, child and family services, religious and faith-based services, uh, entrepreneurial services for those interested in small businesses. So so we've expanded outside of uh, what we initially called the B and three E's, benefits, education, and employment tied in with a little entertainment. And and now we've added a number of different resources. And, and, uh, and, and I'm honored to see that the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois has adopted that concept to centralize all of these different resources. And then in many places I travel around the country, if they don't have, a similar network or a similar system in place, they're, they're at least interested and started. So uh, back, back in 2010 when I got out, I, I'll say the quality of support for, for, for veterans transitioning was, was maybe about a five or a six on the scale of one to ten. Uh, we, we aren't 100% perfect yet, but I'll say we're, we're in the high eight, low nine range as far as being able to connect uh, veterans with resources prior to them setting, uh, setting foot back in their home base or home neighborhoods. Well,
3: that's great, great, James, because that, that, as I recall it, that was a very trying time, Uh, 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 again, just to touch back and reach back into that area. Many of our men and women who were returning to home and community, uh, you know, they they were coming back with the scars of war. Many of those uh, uh, are visible and a significant number that you can't see uh, uh having to deal with that and from the medical side and the other thing uh you know uh, getting themselves adapted now to be in an academic type of setting to study and what have you like that that was a that that that, that, that was a, a major experience Now it it worked out real well again as I recall as far as the universities were concerned, because, you know, uh, Chapter 33 is probably one of the most generous GI Bill programs that's come down the pike in recent years. Uh, the, the, the universities were getting their money up front, but I was concerned about whether or not the attention was being given uh, to these individuals who served the country to come in and uh, just not throw them away, and discard them because they may have had adaptability uh, issues. But I, I think you're correct. There's been a, a major change to that, and it's still ongoing and developing, and I'm I'm certain that uh, you coming through that period still have your fingers uh, on, on, the, on the pulse there to influence it.
4: Yes, sir, and, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. You, you hit it right on the head. Um, a lot of universities, Essentially, all colleges and universities that accept GI Bill benefits were looking at transition service members, essentially uh, like the guys and girls had dollar signs over their heads. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and they were licking their chops, and they wanted, you know, as many veterans to come into their university or their college as possible. Uh, but, but to your point, what they weren't doing was focusing on the fact that, you know, maybe these guys and girls, they're, they're coming in uh, a little bit older than most freshmen, uh, you know, traditionally 17, 18, 19 years old, A lot of guys and girls, including myself, were coming back, you know, 23, 24, 25 years old with a world of experience. And uh, initially, the university just looked at it as, we'll we'll take James Flagg, the veteran, we'll get his tuition up front, and there wasn't really enough going on on the university side to to make that situation as as comfortable as possible, Uh, not only from a personal perspective, but just to retain the student vets, because a lot of times, you know, guys and girls will come in, they'll utilize the benefits, they'll get the money, but they didn't feel like they had the wraparound services to excel in school. Uh, but with the, uh, the inception of the, the Veterans Higher Education Bill of 2009 and then many other policies here locally on, on our state level, you uh, see more and more universities stepping up uh, to the plate to provide additional services, uh, whereas some of those predatory schools, uh, they are now on, on high alert, not only through the Department of Veterans Affairs and through the Department of Defense, uh, but just as, uh, as prospective college students as well. So, yes, that, that climate has completely changed in the last five or six years.
3: Yeah. My, my next point, James, and we may bump into the break on this, so if we get started and that we have to take the break, we can come back with it. But now that sure. you have past that hurdle, and and the, the, the folks now that are coming behind that you see on a day-to-day basis talk about some of the issues that you're dealing with to include the education, their uh, uh, reintegration back into society, and, and how you now are going about to help overcome what you've experienced yourself.
4: Uh, th- thank you for that, and that's a great question, and I'm pretty sure I could get long-winded on this. So uh, if we need <laughs> that's to okay. pick it back right. up after the break, we sure can. Yeah. Uh, but some of the big issues that, that, that we see or we experience coming back, obviously there's a big uh, mental health uh, issue, mental and emotional health, where you've been almost indoctrinated for three years or, or six years or however many years of military service with, uh, making a very limited amount of decisions a day because, you know, you're told when to wake up, you're told when to shower, you're told which uniform to wear, uh, you're told when to work out and, and when to start and end your job. And, uh, and, and many people, they, their, their brains get comfortable and used to that, uh, that lifestyle. However, transitioning out, the number of decisions are, are amplified, you know, instead of what uniform I'm going to wear is, you know, what color socks am I going to wear? Am I going to wear a T-shirt versus, a, versus an A-shirt? You know, and it's little things that, that the average person doesn't think about. But when you're, a military, you're in the military and, and, and you're given so many orders and so many directives, you just follow your orders. So I think the biggest issue is, uh, is probably the mental health uh, aspect of it, and we can touch on it later, uh, and, and, and in no particular order or ranking. Uh, the The employment issue is uh, is a huge factor that, that we're seeing with a lot of vets as well as the housing and and homeless piece uh, and, and and I can talk about how the three of those uh, have have impacted me uh, personally as well as in business but but I think uh, as long as we as a society as a country continue to address mental health issues uh the employment aspect and then uh, the homeless issue that will reduce uh, such horrible numbers like veteran incarceration and, and veteran suicide
2: and, and veteran homelessness. All right. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take that break. This way we can come back and we can <laughs> All and catch up to everybody, okay? Again, yes, sir. I, I just want to mention uh, about the VSP channel. They're appealing directly to the general public with this call to action called Donate $22 or Any Amount You Can Today campaign. With help right. from those special people who care, the Veterans Broadcast Studio can become a reality. Go to the vspchannel.com to learn more and donate today. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. And we'll be right back.
1: That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, James Flagg, co founder and
2: president for the Warrior Summit Coalition. And we were talking about the, the many uh, things you do do as far as mental health, employment, and homeless, homelessness. Tell us more about uh, the, the, the employment end of it. So, so the
4: employment aspect is. Is, is almost like the turnkey service that, that, you know, that makes everything right with the veteran. You know, we, we serve for a number of years, we come back, and we just want to be a part of society. And, and sometimes guys and girls just want to go back to their family, and that's sufficient. But we all know that without a steady uh, income or a or stable employment opportunity, that, that transition can become very uh, challenging and quite daunting. Uh and we do realize that, that although veteran employment has uh decreased uh as most recently reported by the VA over the last three or four years, uh there's still a high number of veterans that are uh employment eligible, that are not working, and uh, more importantly that are that are working in jobs and, and, and essentially underemployed. Uh so we really use that employment piece not only because we were student veterans transitioning out of college and, and we of course need to work ourselves, uh, but we we looked at that as a way to engage uh, other supporters. So we've been very fortunate to, to partner with companies like, uh, like a Walmart or a Walmart Foundation at Sales Club to host uh, monthly or quarterly job club events where we have vets come in. Uh, if a Walmart is opening up, well, well case in point, uh, Walmart was opening up a new facility in the Chicagoland area. They wanted to hire at least 200 individuals and a minimum of 50% or 100 military veterans hired. So we hosted a, a three-day job camp where we had groups of veterans come in and apply online uh, directly in the room with the, the, the hiring managers or the talent acquisition folks. Uh, they were able to ask questions as far as interview tips and techniques, and many of those veterans were placed uh, shortly after that. And when you do uh, essentially great work like that for, for a company like Walmart uh, the word gets around, so we, we ended up partnering on a similar initiative uh, with CRAF and our uh, local employment agency here in the state Illinois Department of Employment Security to do other smaller uh, hiring-focused events, whether it's uh, a day-long or a week-long resume writing, uh, interview uh, coaching, tips and techniques, and then the actual job application process. Uh, and we've seen that develop over the number of years uh, to, as a matter of fact, yesterday, where we're essentially hosting uh, hiring networking events where we take a location in and around Chicagoland, uh, we bring a host of talent acquisition or hiring managers, the headhunters out, uh, we provide free pizza and free beer and free food for the attendees, and we just open the doors. The vets can network right there with the, uh, with the hiring managers, even if they don't have positions available. It's still a good training tool for vets to get out of their comfort zone and, and talk to the individuals that they may be employing. So, uh, hiring and, and veteran employment is a is a is a huge component of the work that we do.
2: Correct,
4: Bill.
3: Well, James, uh, y- you know the state of Illinois has two individuals at least that I know that I have the greatest respect. And I've served with these individuals in, in uh in categories uh with veterans. That's Tammy Duckworth, who uh previously uh was the director of veterans affairs in uh, Illinois and uh also with her on the uh National uh Association of State Directors of Veterans Affairs and uh my good friend uh the late Jesse Brown, who was a neighbor in my area, member of my DAV chapter here in Maryland, and, uh, uh, you know, they stand tall uh, amongst the people that I know who have contributed to the veterans community. These individuals were always filled with, they were a reservoir of knowledge and information. I maintain today, James, that Information in the veterans community is the greatest void that we have because you don't know what you don't know, and if you don't know how to navigate the system in terms of health care benefits, you're at a major loss. How do you address that in your advisory capacity in those roles that you have now to get the word out, the essential word that our men and women need to have?
4: Bill I think you hit it right on the head uh, in, in today's society, society information is key. and with uh, you know with the ability of technology and social media, uh, we as, as as humans or as individuals are getting information faster than we ever have in, uh, in, in any time point that, that I can remember and probably in American history. Uh, unfortunately, going back to uh, 2010, that information wasn't coming out soon enough. Uh, but but as you said, information is key. Access to that information is just as important. So in my role at Moria Summit Coalition and in the advisory role that uh, that I share or serve under, it's it's all about sharing information. And, and what I tell people is, you know, hey, I may not have all the answers, but, but I've been very blessed and very fortunate enough to connect with people who may be able to answer uh, your question or provide you with the service that you need. So when we meet with these different groups at, uh, at, at IDVA or the Secretary of State or even at the city of Chicago, it's a great uh, fellowship of thought leaders, uh, very engaging veterans from, you know, recently returning vets to, uh, to, to, to Vietnam and Korean War vets. And it's, it's all about, you know, the, the older guys and girls sharing the information to me who's, who's kind of in the middle ground between the returning vets uh, and then we go, the, the younger vets on the councils, uh, we go out and we're essentially delayed to ring the bell and sound the alarm and say, hey, you may not need these services at the moment, but there's a chance that if you do, you, you, you may want to access them as quickly as possible. So, again, it's it's our goal uh, at Warrior Summit and, and even in, on these councils to be as preventative as possible. And the only way to reduce the, 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 the lack of uh, employability or reduce the number of homelessness or suicides is to provide this information to veterans and their family members up front prior to a situation occurring or a dire situation occurring.
3: Well, James, I would be remiss if we didn't include in asking you about those serving men and women from the rural areas uh, in, in our states, and I'm sure it's the same in the state of Illinois as it is in many other states around the country. They're out, they're separated, uh, 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 health care getting access to uh, uh, initiating service-connected disabilities. They're, they're, they're separated. They're, they're, there's a, a special effort that I think is there for those individuals and in being able to be serviced. And a lot of times they become despondent and they back away and they don't follow up. But, you know, uh, uh, a significant number of our serving force today uh, uh, hail from the uh, the uh, the rural and remote areas in that, and I'm sure you know that, being a product okay. of the National Guard and Reserve. So, how does that work in Illinois?
4: And that uh, Colonel, Bill, I, I feel like you're in some of these meetings and phone calls that I'm sitting on. So it's uh, <laughs> so it's awesome to have you asking these questions. Uh, but but you know that's that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we see here in Illinois uh, in, in Chicago. Uh, We have the luxury of, you know, having a good melting pot of different services and service providers all within, you know, a 25 or 30-mile radius where if we can't just pick up the phone, we could, you know, just pop into somebody's office. Uh, But what we're hearing from our administrators on the state level and even the national level, Chicago is great, but what are you doing south of I-80, which is one of the dividing highways that that divides uh, northern Illinois from the rural southern areas? So I've been, I'm being pushed not only by uh, my colleagues but my board members to do more outreach in southern Illinois, uh, particularly towards the, uh, the, the bottom of the state near, near the Missouri area because it's unfortunate. VA uh, Jesse Brown Hospital is, is a stone's throw away from where I am uh, here. Uh, Hines VA is maybe about 20 miles west, and then you have uh VA facility which is about 50 miles to the north. However, uh, downstate rural Illinois, there's only one VA facility, and that's the Marion VA facility, which if you live in a Bourbonnais or Peoria, that's, you know, an hour or two-and-a-half-hour drive. And you're saying, you, you mentioned about uh, a lot of the vets becoming despondent or, or standoffish or they don't want to go out and get the resources only because it is cumbersome. You know, they may have to take long trips. And, and many vets, you know, we're, we're a prideful group, and if we have to, you know, work too hard or, or, or maybe ask or beg or plead, nine times out of ten, you know, our military credences solve the problem ourselves, and, and, and we shut down the outside resources. Uh, so, so we are partnering with a lot of the different VSOs, the, the veteran Service Organizations, and, and Central and Southern Illinois to incorporate this model into their outreach and, and again, that, that's still only part of the problem because how does the veteran access the services? Now, you could say uh, the use of a website or an Android or iPhone app could help out. And, and yes, that's good as far as connecting the vets with the information. Uh, but as far as having that face-to-face contact, that, that warm touch of being able to sit in a room with somebody, we're, we're looking at many different ways on how to do that, either uh, creating mobile vet services for individuals in, uh, in rural Illinois uh, and then providing um, one of the big talks is, 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 is acquiring funding to allow some of these service providers to step out of their facility and, and go meet the veterans where they are and, and going back to the Welcome Home Warrior Summit model uh, that's, that's one of the reasons we started the initiative because vets weren't traveling to the VA even here locally uh, so we said how about we host an event in a central area where veterans are more likely to, uh, to, to to want to come and attend. And uh, that's why we did the local college campus. We were very fortunate to do Soldier Field. Uh, and, and what that does is it, it prevents vets from, you know, using the excuse of, oh, I don't want to go to the VA or I don't want to go to fill-in-the-blank office, and we bring those service providers out so they can touch them all at one time. Uh, but in southern Illinois and a lot of the rural communities, the, the resources are kind of scarce, the, the modes of transportation are scarce. So we're, that's, that's a work in progress, and I, and I wish I had, you know, a silver bullet to say what could work best, uh, but, but I think more funding and expansion of the services to get the service providers out of their facilities uh, would, would definitely help the issues that, that some of the, the service members in our rural community face. All right.
3: Well, James, well, gonna... one other uh, demographic very, very quickly is our women veterans, and especially we've talked about suicides and suicide prevention as you're probably aware women are experiencing suicides about 6 times greater in numbers compared to their civilian counterparts it's it's a real serious matter they don't always come forward to bring their concerns to our attention. So uh, I'm thinking that's requiring a very special effort to get to them and keep them engaged in the process.
4: Yes, sir. No, that uh, again, you hit it right on the head. Uh, I often joke, and I know this isn't a, a factual statistic, but, you know, dealing with Veterans Affairs and coordinating events, uh, you – and, and talking to women about, you know, why don't you ladies show up or why don't you want to participate? And a lot of the responses that I get from from very, you know, intelligent and thought-provoking female leaders is 99% of the events that, that are marketed or promoted are geared specifically towards men. And if they aren't geared towards men, women don't feel comfortable attending uh, just because of, you know, past reservations, or they don't feel the service will be adequate or uh, efficient enough to the the, the very uh, distinctive needs that women veterans have versus male veterans. Uh, so again, to address that, and 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 as a male, you know, I, I love my, my my sisters in arms, and I know that they are, you know, essentially uh, the, the 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 cream of the crop when it when it comes to to our uh, military service. So we need to take care of our, our women vets. So you see a lot of agencies now. Uh, focusing on very female-specific initiatives, uh, not only providing the same resources that you know that the men get, but considering uh, resources like childcare, or uh, or uh, maternity services, or or different mental health and, uh, and and female services that that are required for the different procedures or, or, or uh, uh, programs that women need. Uh, you know, mammograms, uh, things of those nature. So. Uh, we, we realize that, that the, the females, they are here, and and I, I wish I could pull the number of uh, female veterans in, in this area up quickly, but I can't. Uh, but they aren't showing up in, in rapid numbers. But um, oddly enough, just this week on, on Friday the 9th, we are partnering with the Illinois Department of Se- Employment Security to host a Women Veterans uh, Summit, which will focus only on women veterans' resources, women veterans' needs, and, again, for those women that have, uh, you know, ch- children or, or it's hard to find a babysitter, we're providing health care uh, resources as well as child care services on site. But we're also providing very specific uh, raffles, you know, spa dates, uh, manicures and pedicures, uh, you know, different gift certificates for, for shopping. So we've, we've seen a lot of support from our partners and our vendors and, and, and some of our colleagues to, to go above and beyond to, to bring the women into the mix because we definitely don't want to forget them. And, and, and as alarming as the suicide rates are, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that it is as high as it is in the women population and that women feel that in many cases they can't take advantage of the, of the services because they aren't geared towards it.
2: That's true. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on a variety channel, and we'll be right back.
1: You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. Now, back to our program.
2: Welcome back. We're here with our guest, James Flake, co-founder and president for the Warrior Summit Coalition. Now, also, uh, James, why don't you tell us about how your involvement on in the next event with the DOD and the VA?
4: Uh, yes, sir. For, for more information on the, uh, the, the Warrior Summit Coalition, please visit www.warriorsummit.org. Uh, we will be posting up very uh, shortly, within the next week or so, Uh, about the partnership or pending partnership with the Department of Defense, uh, particularly the Department of Navy, as they prepare to host the 2017 DOD Warrior Games in Chicago, Illinois. And for those of you listening that are unfamiliar with the Warrior Games, it's an adaptive sports competition for uh, wounded, ill, and injured service members and veterans. Uh, We will have approximately 250 athletes uh participate in maybe eight or nine different sporting events, wheelchair basketball, shot put, discus throw, archery, uh a number of uh Olympic style, Paralympic style games, and we will have teams representing the different branches of the military, Army, Marine Corps, uh Navy Coast Guard is one team, uh, SOCOM Air Force has a team and we'll be welcoming a group from the United Kingdom uh to Chicago. And uh and it's and it's all built around uh, highlighting the resiliency and the warrior spirit of service members, uh, the veterans and, and then the family members and their caregivers. Uh, we, we do realize that, you know, once you're injured uh, on active duty, uh, there there isn't a lot of opportunity for you to go back to do your day-to-day job, which, uh, which may impact not only your physical ability but your your, your mental capacity as well. So these games give injured veterans a chance to to network with other injured veterans, uh, but also it builds that camaraderie through uh, through sporting competition. And uh, June 30th through June 8th, oh, excuse me, June 30th and July 8th, uh, here in Chicago, Illinois, uh, we will be coordinating the Warrior Games at a few different venues: uh, Soldier Field, the uh, McCormick Place. Uh, U.S. Cellular, excuse me, uh, Guaranteed Rape Field, which is uh, the, the White Sox Park, as well as a few of the local colleges and universities. And and we, as Warrior Summit Coalition, are, are happy and honored that we've been selected to coordinate the hiring fair and the resource fair for the upcoming Warrior Games.
2: That's phenomenal. That's great. Now, also, why don't you, uh, you know, none of us. No organization out there can actually meet its goals without their partners or supporters. Why don't you give your partners and supporters a little recognition here also?
4: Uh, yes, sir. And and it's a very long laundry list, so I'll keep it as short and as sweet as sure. possible. But I, I just want to send a big shout out to not only uh, uh, my my team, but the, uh, the Warrior Summit Coalition board members, our friends in the Department of Veterans Affairs in the D.C. metro area. Uh, as well as here locally in Chicago and the uh, central office or central regional office in, in St. Louis, uh, we want to send a big shout out to our fans, friends, and family in the ESGR here locally in Illinois and Missouri, uh, but some of our corporate partners as well: uh, Walmart Foundation, Sam's Club, Boeing, uh, Kraft, uh, some of our local uh, media partners: iHeart Media, uh, NBC Universal. Uh, the University of Illinois system, uh, you, you've all been very instrumental in, in, in our uh, in our growth. Our local uh, entertainment and athletic partners, the Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, the Chicago Bulls, Chicago Bears, the Chicago Fire, and Chicago Sky, thank you for many years of donating tickets to our initiative to help us draw that in, and a host of nonprofit partners uh, that, that have supported over the years uh, you can take a look at that list on our website at www.warriorsummit.org or just type in Warriors Summit Coalition into your search bar. Uh, but I could go on and on and on about the <laughs> many individuals and, and, and organizations who supported, but I definitely want right. to thank you guys and, uh, and, and your show, you, Gary, and you, Colonel Bill, for, for allowing me the opportunity to come on and, and talk about some of the great work that's going on for veterans around the country.
2: All right, I appreciate it. We only have a couple minutes left. James, it was a pleasure having you on our show today. And what would you like to share with our listeners in closing?
4: Uh, you know, we, we, just, we just wrapped up Veterans Day uh, as well as Thanksgiving, and, and we're, we're approaching uh, Christmas. And uh, for those that celebrate Christmas, I want you guys to remember, you know, while you, while you all are huddled up around the tree or, or the dinner table eating food and, and, and opening presents, uh, there's uh, some guy or some girl who, uh, who is in a very uncomfortable situation or location around the world that will not be spending family, uh, uh, spending time with their family on Christmas. And, and even though you don't personally know a veteran, uh, you may not have anybody in your family, but, but that kid that, uh, that delivers your newspaper in the morning or, 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 or the girl who, uh, you know, who helps you out at the convenience store in the grocery line uh, they may be veterans, or you may have family members or friends, or excuse me, or colleagues in a vet that you don't know. So just keep that in mind as you celebrate these upcoming holidays. Uh, keep keep a veteran in mind and, and thank them not only for their service but for the sacrifice that they've uh, that they've given as well.
2: That's right. Well, thank you, Bill.
3: Well, James, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for your dedicated and committed service to this great country of ours. But most importantly, your continued service to veterans, because it is folks like you, veterans serving veterans, that's where the major change is going to be changed. And uh, you're doing an outstanding job, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you again in the in the near fru- future.
4: Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you Gary, and thank you so much, Colonel Bill. That means a lot to us. Uh, to hear that coming from a guy with your military background. I appreciate that, sir.
2: Thank you. If you missed any of our live shows, all our shows are archived on demand 24-7. And you can also hear all the archived shows right from your phone. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, and thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.